Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechhelp.com. That's reliabletechhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Here at the Respect the Math podcast, we talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically, the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast apps from Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and others. Please interact with us online, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share our content. We would love to hear from you. Today, our guest is a very good friend of mine, Joe Holsey with Joe Holsey Photography. Welcome. Thank you, David. Thank you for being here. Joe is a first-rate photographer, but but he's far more than that. So, um, Joe, you've been doing photography for how long now? Fifteen years. Fifteen uh, as a business. Yeah, a little bit longer as a hobby, but fifteen as a business. Yeah. Well, tell us more about yourself, your background, and uh, how you help your clients. It's not just snapping a photo, right? Yeah. It's more of an experience. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, tell us about that. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, it's been a little while in the making, but I'm glad to be here. Better late than never. Yeah. I got started a little bit different than your average photographer. Um, this was not a lifelong dream. I uh, went to UofL, got a business degree, and started out in sales. Then went into banking. And in 2008, when the economy kind of went down, mm-hmm. um, there were a few of us that were invited into HR and told that our services would no longer be needed. And instead of going out and getting the first job that came along, um, I decided to take a little time off and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had always wanted to be a business owner, and photography had always been a hobby. So I decided, let me see if I can put the two together. Yeah. And as you know, when you start a business, you don't start a business on Wednesday and get paid on Friday. Mm -hmm. So after about a year, I did actually go back and get a day job. And so uh, mostly photographed weddings. For the first 10 or 11 years. Because, you know, that's how a lot of photographers get started. You work a day job and then you uh, shoot a wedding on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, After about three and a half years of that, my wife and I had our first child. And I actually quit my job to be a stay-at-home dad. So then it was several years of being a parent. And then photography when I could fit it in. Mm -hmm. Um, 2019, my son... My youngest uh, started school full-time, so I finally, for the first time, was going to get to treat my photography like a full-time profession. And as we all know, what happened in early 2020, the world kind of came crashing to a halt. So um, transitioned into business headshots and branding photos and uh, kind of got away from the wedding world. So yeah. uh, that's kind of how I got here. Yeah, that's a great story. It's an example of something I try to tell people when I'm advising up and coming business owners or someone trying to pursue a dream or a goal. I'm like, you have to be nimble. You have to be able to adapt. And there is no no summit. Once you reach it there, you can just sit back and coast and everything's good, right? You always have to be able to adapt in real time and evolve and listen to your market and listen to your customers and be able to change what you're doing to, to stay in business, right? You do, and sometimes it's out of necessity. Sometimes it's out of uh, a desire. So the original reason that I switched from weddings to more business photography is my kids were getting older, getting involved in sports and activities, and I didn't necessarily want to work every weekend. Um, it was 
COVID was a catch-22. A lot of my friends in the event wedding industry were really, really hurting, obviously, because those events weren't happening. The venues weren't open. Um, I was hurting a little bit as well because a lot of people were working from home and they weren't coming into the office, and so they didn't feel like they had a need for headshots. So the industry as a whole you know, took a hit mm-hmm. just because it wasn't a big priority for people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know... I was telling you before we got started today that in in an effort to do my homework and uh, just because I enjoyed it, I, I sat down and, and went back and listened to uh, every episode of Thank your you podcast. So you're uh, the one. Yeah, I'm the one guy. <laughs> and they, they're terrific. I, I've got one left. Um, Thank you. And uh, there was one common theme that I noticed. Uh, I don't remember unless I'm, you know, unless I've just forgotten. I don't remember a single person who said, this is what I dreamed of doing. This is what I went to school for. Yeah. And now this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Every single person has had this long winding path to get them to where they are. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting because, you know, uh, a lot of kids think, oh, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And that's great. If that's what they end up doing, that's awesome. But most people aren't doing at 40, 45, 50, 55, what they were doing at 22 or 24. Yeah, especially people that are successful, right, and sustaining yeah, that success. Exactly. They have to be able to pivot the trajectory of their life. It's very, very rarely ever a linear trajectory, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk more about Joe Holsey Photography. You were doing weddings for a while, and I'm sure that was fun. But um, do you find yourself, what you're doing right now, the best manifestation of your what you enjoy in photography and what you're best at, or are there other things to come? You know, I think right now it's the right thing for me. I mean, I've got some other things that I'm working on and, and would like to add to, you know, to what I offer. Um, I like it because as you know, I, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm a people person. I mean, that's when I'm out networking and talking to people, that's when I'm my, my happiest. And when I decided to leave weddings, I did a lot of research. You know, I contemplated pets, mm. newborns. Um, I even actually went and uh, contemplated possibly buying a couple of franchises and mm. getting out of photography altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, why I decided on branding and headshots is just it's the day and age we're living in. You know, everybody's advertising their business on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, blogs, and there are still people that do traditional headshots, and I I do a lot of those, but more and more people now are understanding the need for what I call branding, you know, they're branding photos, branding sessions, Mm -hmm. and that's a situation where instead of standing in front of a backdrop and walking away with one or two good professional headshots, uh, you take a little more time. Uh, maybe you change clothes a couple times. Maybe we do some outdoors. Maybe we do some in your natural setting where your work is done. We might photograph your employees, might photograph products that you make or sell. And that way, when you get done, you walk away with a folder of images so that everything that you go to do, you've got a selection of things to, to choose from. Yeah, it's more interactional and less transactional, right? Exactly. I've seen a lot of your work, and the common theme is that the people... Uh, you're photographing seems to be engaged and also having fun, right? And that's a big part of it. Look, let's 
we have to be real for a minute. Most people, there are a few exceptions, but most people, they don't love having their photo taken. Yeah. They do it because someone else told them they needed to, or they know it's the right thing to do. Most people don't get up in the morning and think, yay, photo shoot. That's right. <laughs> um, and I always joke, if I had started my business and instead of charging people for my time, if I had charged them for every time they said something like, I don't like photos, I don't look good in photos, or something like that, yeah, I would be far wealthier today. <laughs> um, it, it's just something most people don't love. So my job is to make them feel at ease, make them feel comfortable, put them in as natural a feeling and atmosphere as possible. Because at the end of the day, photos look better. If you're having fun, if you're relaxed, if you're somewhat enjoying it. And so that's where I have to, you know, use my personality and my skills to sort of bring out their personality. And usually the first few photos we take are not very good. It's a little tight. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes it's that last two or three or end up being the ones that we use. Yeah. Well, I've also noticed you do a lot of homework and research on your clients before you even go and start doing a branding session with them. Absolutely. You, you want to know what their personal life is like, their professional life, not just, not just hey, here, here comes client number 16 of the week, A, B, Absolutely. and C, next, next client, right? It's, and I'll, you know, being a photographer, I'm a storyteller, so as we go through today, I'll probably share a few stories. Um, and I'll share one about somebody that we know through networking, uh, Amy Brooks Hoffman with Florida Lee Organized Solutions. You're welcome, Amy. Yeah, free plug. Um, she was one of my first branding clients when I joined the chapter. And Amy came to me and said, Joe, I need a headshot. And I looked at her. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> she, and I think she was caught off guard. Right. <clears throat> and for those that are listening, if you don't know Amy, she um, has sort of two facets of her business. She'll come in and organize your house, your garage, your closets, um, but her original business was organizing your photos, which we all have phones and computers full of photos until she would organize them, put them into albums, et cetera. And I said, Amy, you sell a very intimate service. You are trying to go into people's homes and get them to trust you with their phones, their hard drives, their computers, boxes full of memories. You don't need a boring corporate headshot. Mm -hmm. You need a branding session. She agreed, uh, you know, two or three clothing changes. Uh, we did some near a, with bookshelves and albums involved. And we tried to create something that was warm and inviting. So the type of photo that I would take for someone like you, for example, who is a tech specialist, and the type of photo that I would take for Amy Brooks Hoffman as an home and album photo organizer yeah two completely different photographs yeah but amy is so funny and so engaging and so warm i'm glad you brought up that example because i can see the photo there's two of them right now there's one where she's kind of think holding a sign with her right. company information on it right and she's got this beautiful smile on her face and uh, like you said people can just trust her and she's inviting them in for a relationship and a connection before she works for them but then there's also the other one where you, didn't you incorporate one of her sons and uh, yes. he's got the logo on the back of his shirt and she's pointing at that so so I have photographed our family as well. And, you know, you bring up a good point. I, a lot of photographers don't like to say this out loud, but, but I'll say it It's because it's true. Not everybody, ever, not everybody is the same level of difficulty. Yeah. 
you know, some people walk right in and it's like, man, this is easy. Uh, Routine. It's it's yeah. just so, it just flows so well. Yeah. There are some people you work with them for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes and you're, and, and you know, you don't say this out loud, but inside you're thinking, man, I hope I get something that's going to be. Yeah. And I, and I don't say that in a mean way. It's just yeah. some people don't react uh, quite as well and they're more uptight. Mm-hmm. Another example of somebody else that's in our chapter, Suzanne Burton, you know, health and wellness coach. Yeah. Uh, she asked for a, a session. And so as crazy as it might sound, we actually went to her home. She's got a nice kitchen with a big island in the middle and not a lot of natural light. And of all things, we got photos of her cutting up vegetables. Yeah. I got photos of her drinking water. I got photos of her making a, a smoothie. Then she changed into exercise clothes and went out and rode her bike. And I got photos. And I said, this is what you're selling. Yeah. You're selling exercise, drinking water, eating lifestyle. healthy, yeah. lifestyle. You know, so somebody like Suzanne, she needs a different session than somebody else. Yeah. So I try to customize it. Two points of clarification. And the first one is you mentioned our chapter. For, the, for those who don't know, we're talking about BNI. Yes. Uh, it's the best uh, professional networking group of its type in the world. And we'll talk about that some more a little later on because Joe has a leadership role in that, uh, that organization. Uh, the second point of clarification was we're talking about photos that both you and I have seen, obviously, but where can people go to actually see these examples we're referring to? Thank you, David. Uh, they can go to my website. It's pretty easy to remember. It's joehulsey.com. That's J-O-E-H-U-L-S-E-Y.com. And then I am on Facebook as well. And it's, again, pretty easy to remember, Joe Halsey Photography. And they'll get the full compliment of of all you, uh, all you offer your clients, right? Wedding photography, branding sessions, um, family photos, uh, senior, exactly. senior photos. Yeah. And I should clarify on the weddings. I, I will still have conversations with people about weddings. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got two or three coming up this year. I had a client this past no October that flew me down to new Orleans. Yeah. That's um, a hard sell. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. <laughs> so I will still talk to people. Yeah. It's just that I don't market or network, you know, a lot of people know I did it for a long time. They'll come to me and say, hey, Joe, you did my sister's wedding three years ago. I'm getting married or, hey, so-and-so. You know, I'll still talk to people. Yeah. It's just that I don't want to – I no longer want to do 25 or 30 a year. Yeah, that's a grind. And it's those hours, right, the weekends and nights. and Yeah, because with every wedding comes an engagement session. It comes with several phone calls. It comes with several in-person meetings. It comes with a lot of editing and an album construction on the back end. And that's if and their, plan, their plans don't change, right? Exactly. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the money is, it's 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 good money. Yeah. But, again, I have to limit how much of that I do just because, again, I've got a nine-year-old and almost 11-year-old, and I just don't want to work every single Saturday. Well, and the same thing, too. If you're a prospective client, you want to do business with somebody who's all in and is enthusiastic about it. And at this point in your life, you can do a couple of those a year, a handful or so. But, you know, people want to do business with somebody who is all in and invested in the process. And you can handle a couple of those. But outside of that, it's just not a good fit for you anymore. Exactly. I think is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Um, I, for those who don't know, I have a background in creative work. We used to have a little company called ChasingColor.com. And we did photography and graphic design, some video work. And uh, I just want to say I think I have an eye for that because of my experience with those uh, those areas and I can vouch for Joe's work, you know, from somebody somebody on the inside who knows a thing or two about it, that uh, the work is phenomenal. Well, thank you. Yeah, and that leads me into my next uh, idea here, and that's the, the word enthusiasm. 
Joe brings enthusiasm to everything he does. I, I think you're even enthusiastic about washing your hands or using the bathroom, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> there's this, this underlying um, sincere and uh, uh, honest enthusiasm for what you do, and you go above and beyond in everything you do. So I think that that's worth mentioning for anybody well, who's thinking about doing business with you. It's not going to be mail it in. It's going to yeah. be... I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I... This is going to sound corny and cliche. A lot of people say this, but I, I do believe there's a lot of truth to the fact that we make our own happiness. We decide every morning when we get up, is this going to be a good day or a bad day? And obviously I'm far from perfect. Yeah, uh, I have moments like everybody else, but I do gen genuinely enjoy networking and getting to know what makes people tick. And, you know, I've had people come in before and they've, they've got an idea and I sat down and gave my opinion and they wanted to go a little bit more with their idea. You know, at the end of the day, they're the client, it's their money. They're the ones that are going to look at the photos forever. And as long as they're not asking me to do something that's outside my comfort zone or something that I don't think that I can deliver, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ultimately it's, it's their decision, but more often than not, they, you know, they trust, they trust me. So we mentioned weddings, branding sessions, uh, headshots, uh, senior pictures. What are some other services that you offer that people might not think you offer? So a lot of people think that because I specialize in headshots and branding that I don't do family portraits, um, or that I won't, or that I don't work with small kids. And, and I absolutely will. Uh, I will admit that it's not a part of my business that I spend a lot of time talking about a lot of time marketing, but I, I, I absolutely do that. I've actually got several families that have been with me for years and years. We talked earlier about, Hey, where's your business headed and some things that might be, you know, in the future for the majority of my business life the majority of my family photos, senior photos, portraits have been outdoors. Now, in the beginning, that was necessity. I didn't have anywhere else to photograph them. Um, you know, when you're getting started, you want to use a lot more natural light, which okay. that's a whole other funny photography conversation that we could get into at some point. But, you know, then it became over the last 15 years, the, the big thing, you know, for years and years when we were younger, it was, oh, you go to JCPenney, you go to Olin Mills, you go to Sears, you sit in a, a studio, you get this stuffy, forced photograph. Mm -hmm. Then it was like, everybody wants to go to the park. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's go to the park. Let's go to the, I, I've been to all these parks so many times and I always try to remember even though I maybe have been there a hundred times in the last few years, that this might be the first family portrait they've had made mm -hmm. ever. Or it's special to them, right? There's right. some sentimental connection or. Now I will say what I am, what I do have a passion for, and I'm trying to move my business in this direction. I would like to actually get back to doing more studio portraiture, but not, not the boring forced stuff where the kids are screaming and the parents are miserable and not, yeah. not that creative, elegant 
Fine, and I want art, it, fine art, right? Fine art. Yeah, exactly. Fine art. And I want to do it for a few reasons. One, it's just something I enjoy. And the one thing I've learned about this business is if I enjoy it, I'm going to be better at it. I'm going to spend more time perfecting it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and you know, I've, I talk about this all the time. We're going to be the most photographed generation ever, but with the least amount to show for it. Mm-hmm. Because it's on phones, it's on hard drives. One of the reasons I love photography is when I was young, we would sit around the table and pass around boxes of, you know, four by six prints and albums. And they weren't fancy. They weren't professionally taken, but it was just snapshots. It was, it was prints. Yeah. I still like that. Yeah. And more, not enough people are printing their photos. And what I have found is that if someone is going to put a portrait on the wall, it's a much higher likelihood if it's a fine art portrait. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love the outdoors because, oh, it's it's better than taking my three-year-old into a stuffy studio and I don't have to get them dressed up. And, you know, this is more about who we are. And I get that. I really do. I've done that with my own kids. But what I found is that while people will pay a certain amount for that and they will enjoy taking them, it's usually for their own personal use and they get stuck in a drawer somewhere. And that's assuming they ever print them, which mm-hmm. a lot don't. Right. They're, they're highly unlikely to take that type of photograph and blow it up and hang it on the wall. Mm-hmm. But if they take a little time to get a little bit dressed up, get a little bit quote unquote fancy, some skin in the game. Yeah. And they come in and we make a fine art portrait. There's a higher probability that they'll be like, Hey, that's too good to just put in a drawer or put on a computer. Yeah. I'm going to put that on the wall. Yeah. And what I got from that is you genuinely love the art, the craft of photography, yes. right? For its own sake. Exactly. I think that shows in your work. Uh, a couple of things I was thinking about when you mentioned that. I tell people all the time, you know, in a world where everybody's a photographer, nobody's a photographer, exactly. right? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I think we've diminished the value and the benefit of photos. You know, the average person 20 years ago might take 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 photos a year on a disposable camera or if they have a little point and shoot or something. Now people are taking that many every day and it's diminished the art form. It's diminished the emotional connection. Uh, We take all these photos. I tell my wife all the time and she gets frustrated with me. I'm like, every time we go somewhere, I'm spending a third of my time taking all these photos. How many have we actually taken the time to go back and look at or make a print of? And it's almost nothing, right? Can you comment on the diminishment of the, the art form I, itself? You know, it is. It, um, there are a lot of people that don't want to really pay a professional photographer because they feel like, ah, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll take it with the cell phone. It'll be good enough. And here's the thing, David. This goes back to what I said a minute ago about wanting to focus more on the fine art. You know, I'll be honest and tell you something that, a lot of photographers might not say out loud. You know, if all you're looking to do is get a, some cute photos of your kid out playing at the park and you're never going to print them or all you're going to do is put a four by six on your desk at work, you know what? It's hard to beat a good iPhone. Mm-hmm. But nobody's going to get dressed up and stand in front of a nice, elegant background and do fine art portraiture on their cell phone. Yeah. But to one of your points... We took a big vacation this past summer. We did two and a half weeks out west. It was me, 
my wife, my two kids, uh, my mother-in-law, her best friend, my mom, my stepdad, all eight of us went out. We flew to Vegas. We rented two vehicles. We drove over 2,000 miles. We hit seven national parks, ended in Denver, Colorado. And I probably took over 3,000 photos. And here's the crazy part. I forced myself on multiple occasions to put my phone, and I also took you know my good cameras as well. Yeah. Put them down. Because of that exact reason, what you just said. Me being the photographer, I'm always the one on all the vacations and the family get-togethers that's designated to take the photo. And a lot of people think, oh, well, you're the one looking through the camera at every piece of action. You're getting it all. No. I'm so worried about composing the photo and making sure that it's right and worried about this and lighting and all that, that oftentimes I miss things. Yeah. So I've gotten to the point where I make myself put the cam- phone down, put the camera down, and just take it in because you do get to a point where you're like, how many of these do I need? Yeah. You know, I take 3,000. Now, I did make a, I made a book for everybody. And I'll hang a few of the really, really nicer landscape ones in my basement. But, I mean, I won't even probably print 10% of them. Yeah. So I do think people get a little bit carried away. They get, they're just so obsessed with taking so many. It's like, if you're not going to do anything with them, why are you? Why do you keep taking so many? Yeah, that gives me some thoughts. Um, I love John Mayer. He's got a song called Three by Five. And part of the song, he said, uh, today I finally overcame trying to fit the world inside a picture frame. Yeah. You know, and the whole song is about no more three by fives. I'm going to go live my life and be in the moment and not be stuck behind a camera or have this burden of memorializing everything and, you know, whatever it might be. Um, Another thought I had was, why not live your life and be in the moment for the majority of it and then pay a fine artist like Joe, you know, a couple times a year, once or twice a year to do, you know, to capture those important family memories and things like that and have a piece of art you can hang on your wall and appreciate it because it's a one of one and not be, you know, one of a thousand photos you took on your iPhone. Why not do that? Why not subcontract that part of your life to a professional and an artist and get back to living your life and being in the moment, you know? And, you know, on the fine art thing, I it took me a while because I will admit my wife was a little bit hesitant. You know, she was like a lot of people, oh, let's pay somebody this reasonable amount. Let's go out to the <laughs> park. And there's a photographer here in town who I respect quite a bit, and uh, I had wanted him to to do our photos. Give him a plug. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. Ben Markham. Uh, he's, he's one of the best in town. Ben, nice. ben is terrific. And so... Is that, a, is that a hit to your pride when a professional photographer hires another professional photographer to, you know, take a picture of their family? Or no. Oh, okay. no. I mean, not for me. Okay. No. But, and, and this is something, you know, Ben has no trouble saying this. Ben, Ben's not the, he, he's not the least expensive guy in town. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to, you got to get your checkbook out to. You're paying more to get more. But he's, he's spectacular. Yeah. So I went to my wife several times and said, hey, let's do this. No, let's don't. Yes, let's do this. And so finally, I think it was December of 20. Uh, you know, as husbands, we don't get to do this very often, obviously. But I, I finally had a moment where I said, okay, I, I get to win this one. We're, we're doing this. Nice. Here's the date. I've already booked it. New dress, hair, whatever it is you, you want to do. But we're doing this. So she's got on board. Okay. Still grumbling a little bit, but but yeah, let's do it. And you know, we we dropped a pretty good chunk of change by the time we bought new dresses 
for her and my daughter, new suit for my son, uh, the hair, the makeup, the whole thing, the, the prints, the frames. Yeah. But I would tell you right now that if you looked at me today and said, you, you, you can take one thing out of this house mm. that, that's not your family. Yeah. Man, that would really, really be right up there at the top of the list because there's, I, I can't go back in time and capture that age. Yeah. The irony of it is we had decided we were going to get one really, really large print and then four sort of medium ones to go around it. Yeah. And when we first walked in, we did what most people do. We went for what would look like the nicest traditional smiles on everybody's face. There was this one picture we all laughed at, we loved, because it's so indicative of our family. I'm smiling. My wife's smiling. My daughter's got a beautiful smile. And my son Jack has this kind of goofy, almost like he was surprised that the camera was going off. Yeah. And, and that's our life. Yeah. You know, he's a goofball. And we're like, all right, we're going to get that as one of the medium ones to go around it. And the more and more we looked at it, we thought, no. That's got to be the big one. That's that's who we are. It's perfectly imperfect, right? Him it's, going off script there, yes, encapsulated yeah. you. And he, you know, and he he was quite honestly doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing during yeah. that photo, but it it perfectly encapsulated who our who we are. Yeah. And so we've got a giant, very nice fine art fine art framed print of that on the wall. Yeah. And. I wouldn't change it. Right. So. Right. It's one of your most prized possessions, Absolutely. obviously, you know, as far as things go. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. I love that story. Um, let's let's talk about uh, the iPhone. We, we mentioned that earlier. Are you familiar with the phrase computational photography? Uh, I'm not. No. I'll give our audience and yourself a brief introduction into it. So traditionally, iPhones originally would um, just take one photo, right? You press the button, one exposure, you get a picture. Well, now they're doing this thing called computational photography, especially in portrait mode. That's pretty impressive, yes. right? What it does is it'll take three to five, maybe seven or eight photos when, when you Mesh press them it. together. Yeah, and it'll, it would, it'll uh, do different exposures, different types of apertures uh, and film speed and shutter speed and all that for the technically inclined. But it will, um, not only that, it'll focus on the foreground and the background and do all of this stuff behind the scenes. All you did was press one button and it goes and analyzes those multiple frames it took for, with different parameters and so forth. And it isolates the most photographically pleasant and uh, technically correct aspects of those and merges them into one photo. And so I think it's important for the audience to, to know about computational photography. We're going to see a lot of more of that coming. I read an article about six months ago where Sony came out and said that uh, uh, combined with their advances in um, image sensor technology, which they are the king. A lot of people don't know that. People think yes. Sony, they think movies, they think right. of the PlayStation, they think of CD players and all that. Eight, 80 plus percent of all the image sensors and all the smartphones in the world are Sony. Right. I think they might even make, they make Nikon sensors? I'm not 100% sure. Okay, but it's, they, it's something yeah, like they, that. Well, they said combined with their advances in the image sensor space uh, and their software advances in computational photography specifically um, after doing what I just told you, instead of processing that on the phone and merging it into one near perfect image, it will send it up to the cloud and AI will enhance all that information yeah. and then push it back down to you. And they're saying uh, uh, 
like I said earlier, with the advancements in the sensor technology and AI-assisted computational photography, they, they claim within two years the SLR, as it were, all things else being held equal, will be obsolete. Now, I know a photographer doesn't like to hear that, but th that's on the horizon, right? And I think it's worth mentioning. You know, the, yeah, the technology is changing so fast. Um, I upgraded to the mirrorless about two years ago. Oh, nice. And, uh, Are those Sony cameras or Canon? Or? Uh, no, they're Canon. Okay. Yeah, it's the R. What are your thoughts on that? I love it. Yeah? I think the clarity is better. It's obviously much lighter. Um, it's a lot better in low light situations. Now that was a little more important, you know, if you're doing a wedding, that type of thing, because I have a lot more control over the light during a portrait session. So it's not as big a deal, mm -hmm. but I do go on site, you know, people can come to me or I can go to them. And when I go to them, I have a lot less control of course, over what type of light is going to be available to me in addition sure. to the light that I bring. Mm -hmm. But you know, the technology is such that a lot of people now are videoing things and then grabbing stills from it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it changes faster than I can keep up. And I know all photographers are different. Some are real, uh, what we call gearheads, where they cutting edge, they yeah. just voraciously read about every update and every single time a new model comes out they're they're trading them in and i have historically not done that I, I typically upgrade about every four years i typically what i do is i kind of skip a model so i get one i let the next one come out i wait for the the one after that to come out just because i think the gear is important for sure but the lenses the lighting the person who's bringing that emotion out of the subject, in my opinion, are, are more important. Yeah, and there's a place for being a gearhead, like you said, but there's also a place for honing a craft and an art form. And I tell people, if you give an art artist the crappiest tools, they'll make art. You yeah. know, I own some really nice guitars, and um, I could hand the crappiest guitar ever made, like a $100 Amazon special, to my instructor, and he would make beautiful art, you know? So I've always said... I. I could take the first Canon Rebel that I owned 15 years ago and I can take the, the one that I'm using now and I, I could take photographs that the average person probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. A, a really trained eye might be able to, again, depending on the size and what, what you're trying to do with it. But, you know, again, the, the gear is important. Yeah. But for me, I'm not... I'm not the guy that's going to upgrade every single time they come out with a new camera. Yeah. You mentioned some trends in photography earlier. What's hot now? What's the, what's the style of photography du jour, so to speak? Well, on the family portrait side, it, a lot of, uh, warmer tones. Uh, okay. some people refer to it as sort of a bohemian feel. Okay. Um, if you'll notice a lot of folks when they post their, their photos on, Facebook, family photos especially, you'll notice there's a lot of orangish, brown, warmer tints. So a warmer white balance? Yeah. yeah, a warmer feel. And then on the business side, what you're seeing a lot more of is people actually being comfortable with with color. You know, it, there was a day not that long ago where everybody was, everybody that came for a headshot was going to show up in black or navy blue. Oh, okay. Maybe the occasional brown. Yeah. 
you always heard, oh, you, you can't do prints. Oh, you can't do stripes. You can't do it. Th- those roles are all out the window yeah. because there's so many people in each industry and they're all advertising on all these different platforms. One of the things I actually tell people is you, you need to stand out. You know, I encourage people, consider a pink backdrop, a yellow backdrop, purple. You know, we talk all the time about uh, another plug for our group. Uh, Brittany Murphy with One Thing Marketing talks about the fact that people spend on average less than two seconds on the homepage of a, of, of a website. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine how quick you scroll through Facebook or LinkedIn the vast majority of those photos have either black, white, or gray. If you're scrolling through all of a sudden, I remember when we did Amy's, uh, I used the yellow on some of hers. Yeah, I remember so that. imagine you're scrolling down really quick and all of a sudden, bam, there's this little pop of yellow. It might be just enough mm. to make someone be give you two and a half seconds yeah. instead of three quarters of a second. That's a great point, and that's a skill set you bring to the table that might be unique. You understand the psychology of photography, and also um, you can give some ideas to your client about how to separate themselves and stand apart in a business setting. That's everything, right? Right, right. It'd make their their investment in your photography pay off tenfold if they can uh, stand out and get people's attention, right? And not only do you have to think about what they're doing and what they're selling, you also have to think about who they're selling it to, who's going to be looking and what's going to draw their eye. Mm. I've got a photo. I've got a branding session coming up soon with someone who sells plumbing supplies. <laughs> I have to approach that session differently than someone who's selling health coaching or home organization. Yeah. Because the person that is shopping for health coaching or home organization is generally speaking a different person who is shopping for wholesale plumbing supplies. Mm -hmm. So it's just about knowing the person, their personality, what they're selling, and also who's going to be buying that product or service. Yeah. And I would think your extensive experience in the networking world and the business world and your ability to read people and connect with people would lead directly to that, right? I mean, that's the goal. That's what I try to do. And, And I think, you know, I think I usually get it right. And, and, you know, there are times where somebody's just getting started and they maybe don't know exactly who they're going to be catering to. And that's, again, another reason why branding can be important because we can do a, a wide variety. A lot of times I'll have people that'll show up and they'll, we'll do a few with a nice gray backdrop and a, a suit and tie. And then they'll change clothes and we can go outside or we can change and do a pop of color. Yeah. Um, so, we can mix it up, and that way they have a lot to choose from. The, the last thing you want to do is give them their they, – they take the time. They take time away from work, hair, makeup, whatever it is, maybe even a new shirt, new jacket, new tie, new dress. They come in. They get the photos done. They get back, and two weeks later, wish, wished, oh, I wish I had done a different dress, or I wish I had done a couple of photos sitting down. Yeah. Or a couple of full body images instead of just headshots. And you're going to pull that out of them so they don't, so I, they don't regret not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I try to talk to him ahead of time and ask a lot of questions. Who are you selling to? What are you selling? What's the goal for this? I make suggestions. And again, most of the time they, they're on board. And it's safe to say you're not the cheapest guy or gal doing this? I'm not. Uh, I'm, I would say, slightly above middle. I'm not the most expensive guy in town. 
Yeah. You know, when I first got started, and again, like a lot of other people, I I priced myself what I thought was right based on my experience and what I could offer. And with time, I got better and more confident and had a larger client base. And I won't lie, in those early years, you know, somebody would call me up and say, hey, Joe, how much is this? I'd quote them a price. They'd balk a little bit at it, and I'd find any ridiculous excuse possible to give them a discount. Oh, wait a minute. Did you say you were referred by David Snyder? Oh, well, then I've known David forever. I'll I'll knock $75 off that. Yeah. I finally got to a point where I said, I can't do this anymore. This is what I charge. Yeah. If it works for you, great. If not, there's no hard feelings. You know, I I don't have any upset feelings at all when someone says, Hey Joe, appreciate it, but that's just out of my budget. That's okay. Yeah. It's not a problem. Well, but both parties are better off when it's a good fit for both parties. Right. Yeah. And when I say Joe, isn't the cheapest guy doing it. Um, I believe if you pay more, generally you get more and I don't think you'll find a better return on your investment than the money you'd spend with Joe. So I appreciate that. For what that's worth. Yeah. You know, that kind of leads us into, we talked about understanding people and reading the room and so forth. Let's talk about your role outside of photography, um, particularly in BNI, Business Network International. You joined the chapter that I am in approximately four years ago? Yeah, it'll be four years in May. Okay. So, so my wife has been at BNI for 20 years. So I, I have known about BNI. I, I had subbed for her. I knew what it was, and I knew I was a fan. But when I got started, I had two things that kept me from BNI. One, I had two small kids at home. And for those that aren't familiar with BNI, one of the things that makes BNI a little bit different than a lot of networking organizations is we do have some attendance policies and some accountabilities. Uh, it's not a social event where you just kind of show up if you feel like it. It's it's a weekly attendance, and uh, you know there's a limit on how many times you can just up and miss. So I had two small kids at home. I could not make the attendance. And to be honest with you, as a wedding photographer, I personally didn't feel like it was probably the best expenditure of my money. Not mm-hmm. not that it couldn't have been good, but I just thought there were other places. Yeah. So finally in 2019, my son goes, my youngest goes to school full time. I can now make the attendance requirement. I was now converting from weddings over to business photos, which of course then made me and I the perfect thing. And, you know, everybody has a different experience, but you and I have discussed this before. It's, it's been the best thing I've ever done for my business. I, I, I personally am of the opinion that there is absolutely positively no better thing that you can do to promote your business other than relationships. Yeah. Now, you know, if your job is you make widgets and you need to sell two million one dollar widgets then yeah you probably need to go do some facebook ads and google ads and all those different things but if you sell any type of service at all i just personally don't think that there's a better and obviously bni is not the only networking out there there's great chambers and great other ways to network yeah but just building relationships you know, it leads me to one of my favorite stories, and it actually involves you. I'll, I'll tell it quickly. So I was in the, as I said, I was in the wedding business for many years, which made me get to know a lot of wedding planners. And, and I I know one who, uh, she was on Facebook. It's probably been about two years ago. And she was on Facebook and having a bit of a, a, of a Facebook meltdown. Uh, her computer was going bad. She was afraid she was going to lose all the stuff. 
she had the new computer, but I guess she needed to get the stuff off the old one, et cetera, blah, 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 and, and was crying out to Facebook, hey, help me, I need a, a computer person. And you know what happens when you do that on Facebook. The next thing you know, you got 40 different people. Oh, they're the best, they're the greatest. And I, what I always say is, what, what, what are you going to do with that? You don't have time to make 40 phone calls. Yeah. How do you pick the right one? Right. So I called her, and I said, do me a favor. Even if you don't hire him, would you please call David Snyder before you make a decision? So she did. She calls me back about an hour later, and she's in a panic. She says, Joe, David wants he wants to come and get my computer. Like, I, I mean, my computer's my life, and he wants to take it. How do you know him? You know, she thought maybe I just knew you because somebody had tagged you on Facebook. So I had to tell her. Been in a professional networking group with him. At that time, it had probably been about two years. And I told her, I said, I'm a photographer. Nobody cares more about their computer than me. Yeah. And I said, within in less than six months of being in the group, I was complaining that my computer wasn't running very fast. He said, you need a solid state hard drive. He took it. He fixed it. I've had other issues. He's remoted in. I said, I understand your trepidation, but if David says he needs to come and get it, it's okay. Let yeah. him come and get it. She calls me back two days later and thinks you're the greatest person in the world. Oh, my gosh, he took care of me, blah, blah, blah. If I didn't have that relationship with you, if I hadn't sat in that meeting each week and heard people talk about how good you are at your job, if I hadn't had my own good experience with you, I would have probably done whatever all those other people did. Yeah, I would have went on Facebook and went, call David Snyder. I'd say the odds of you getting that job would have probably been pretty slim. But by building relationships, you can confidently look someone in the eye and say, I understand your fear, but call him yeah, or call her. Well, it's such a great story, prim primarily because it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you for that, by the way. That was a great referral, one of many. Um, but that, in a nutshell, gets to, to the heart of the essence of BNI, and you get that, man. You're BNI at your core. You just said it's about relationships and trust, and you have a history with these folks in the BNI network, not just your chapter, the larger chapter where there's hundreds of thousands of members and tens of thousands of chapters around the world. Um, there's also an authenticity and a legitimacy that comes with being in BNI for a while, right? They don't keep you around if you're dead weight or if you do bad work or you're not a, you don't have integrity. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think that kind of points at that. I um, want to mention one thing for you. You were the president of our chapter once and did a, a fine job. I'm not quite the BNI veteran that your wife is. I think I, think I have approximately 13 years in, but I, I've seen a lot of presidents come and a lot go, and uh, some are good, some weren't. <laughs> and your your job was the best, man. Seriously, well, I, that's and, very kind. Well, and it's it's a testament to um, the, when you go. You think carefully before you commit to something, right? Because your word is important, right? And the last thing you want to do is commit to something and then drop the ball, right? So I know that you vetted the decision before you just impulsively agreed to it. And then once you agreed to it, you're all in. And you brought so much enthusiasm and so much effort and so much uh, respect for the process and um, appreciation for the people in the group and the, you know, the, the health of the group, and so to speak, that the group really, really grew in a lot of ways I haven't seen before in my 13 years. So I think that's well, worth That's very kind. Well, it's, I'm Appreciate just telling the truth, right? Yeah. So uh, that's a nice segue into your... I what, don't have to pay extra for that, right? Well, we'll talk okay. about that later. Right. Yeah, everything's negotiable. 
<laughs> but no, um, that that's a segue into obviously BNI is a huge part of your business. I tell anybody who will listen, it's a huge part of my business. I don't know if I'd be in business today had I not joined BNI roughly 13 years ago. Um, but that leads us into you took a step above and beyond being, being just a chapter member and a president into a new role. Uh, originally, the, uh, it was called a director consultant. Can you talk briefly about that? So last year they asked me to be a director consultant, which basically meant that once a month I would go and visit a chapter other than ours. And I was there for the purpose of helping that chapter get better, whether that be through an education moment, a feature presentation, uh, taking some notes and giving some feedback. An outside perspective. Yeah, one-to-ones with some members to do some coaching or answer questions. Then back in November, they asked me if I would become their area managing director, which basically means, uh, so there's 27 chapters in Louisville, and there's two area managing directors, myself and Mary Ann Schweda. So we have kind of split the chapters, and uh, that took my commitment from one chapter a month to approximately one chapter a week. Mm. And so in addition to, again, my own chapter where I hold the photography seat, I then go around and visit these other 13 or well yeah 13 other chapters and again i just try to help them get better on whatever capacity that is and and all chapters are are different they all have different needs you know some some are about growth some are already very good size and it's about keeping it fresh and you know connecting with everybody in the room because if your chapter's got 35 40 45 people if you're doing an average of one one to one a week, you might only be seeing people once a year. Yeah. So each chapter has its different challenges. And so I took that on December first and I I just enjoy it. I really I genuinely when I get up in the morning and I have a networking event to go to, it's yeah. it's quite honestly what makes me uh, the most excited. I just I don't know. I just love networking and and meeting people and building those relationships. And, yeah, you know, the running joke in our family and our core friends with Mary Rose having been in banking for 26 years and been in BNI for probably 20 and, and me living here and having a business for 15 years and all my BNI experience, the, the, the joke around family and friends is if that Mary Rose and Joe don't know them, they don't exist. <laughs> if you've got some sort of need and one, and they can't point you in the right direction, then that problem can't be solved. So yeah. I just enjoy it. There's a lot of things people can fake. I don't think you can fake sincere enthusiasm and sincere joy in something you're doing. And it's obvious that you, you have those. Um, I'm, I'm going to make my pitch for BNI real quick. Um, if you're out there listening and you've done some chamber of commerce stuff, you've done some networking stuff, maybe some ribbon cuttings, uh, social outings and that kind of thing. And you kind of want to take your, your networking dollar and your networking time and effort to the next level. Come check out a BNI chapter. Joe can get you plugged in. Um, he's familiar with uh, you know all twenty seven chapters, and he, he can be a, a contact person for you. Uh, you can come visit our chapter. We're called BNI Power Partners. We meet every Wednesday, well, almost every Wednesday at noon at uh, Audubon Country Club. Come check us out. And I tell people, even if you don't join or you're not thinking about joining, where else are you going to spend an hour and a half of your time and get a, and get fed and meet thirty to forty decision makers, business owners? Um, it's, it, there's nothing out there like it in that space. There's a space for chambers of commerce and all the other stuff. We're not knocking that, 
but this is a whole different animal. So that's my, my pitch for BNI. What's yours? You know, and I would add to that, David, anytime you talk to people about any kind of networking, but especially BNI, there's a laundry list of objections and reasons it won't work for them and et cetera, et cetera. And the reality of it is we get it. The majority of visitors are ultimately probably not going to join. And, but here's what I would tell you. The, the global BNI average is that every single visitor that walks in the door averages being worth a thousand dollars in thank you to close business to someone in BNI. Wow. Because they come in and they, they very well may have no intention of joining and they might not join. But, you know, they might be sitting there and they might listen to Beth Amlung stand up and give a presentation on Rodan and Fields and skincare, And they might have a 13-year-old son or daughter who's struggling with acne and self-confidence and think, you know, this chapter is not for me. BNI is not for me. I can't make that time commitment, but I need Beth's help. They may be sitting in that chapter and think, this is not for me, but yeah, I, I want to go on David's podcast. Yeah. Which, by we, the way, has happened. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we've had people come in before and they, they were there because they just had graduated college and were just looking to get their name out there and network because they need a job. We've got people in BNI who came in working for one company <laughs> and ended up going to work for someone else in the chapter yeah. because it was a better opportunity. Um, you know, and I know we'll get to this shortly, but I always tell people too, you might, you might find your passion project. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm a very active now with make a wish and that is strictly because another BNI member who's on the board asked me to photograph a wish being granted. I started asking questions. It hit me uh, right in the heart yeah. and, and now I'm on the board. So most of the people that are in BNI will tell you, you look around their life and they'll say, hey, a BNI person sold me my house. My insurance is with BNI. I bought that furniture from someone in BNI. Yeah. I bought that car. You know, it, it just touches. There, there's a lot of things that come from it other than just referrals. We're going to mention Make a Wish in just a minute here. Um, one last thing about BNI. I've interacted with a lot of businesses and a lot of organizations, and there there are none finer um, than BNI, in my experience, almost 20 years of doing business in this city, at putting quality people in the right positions to lead and influence people and support people, constantly refining and perfecting the process and the resources they make available to BNI members through continuing education, uh, personal development, learning how to just something as basic as craft your 45-second elevator speech, right? Right. Um, and then the app. I have to mention the app. I'm an IT guy. I interact with apps and software all the time. There is not a finer app I've ever used than the BNI app. And it goes every every couple of months or so, you'll get an update. Oh, they've added this new functionality to make it even right. easier to use, right? When I started BNI, and your wife can relate to this, we literally filled out an individual form. Piece of paper. If someone did business with us and paid us, we fill that form out. If, uh, if we have a referral, we form, fill that out, et cetera, et cetera. And then some, the secretary treasurer's job was to wrestle, wrestle all those up after the meeting and, and individually, by hand, tabulate all that stuff. Now that process, which took hours, can be done in a matter of seconds or minutes in the app. So I, I think that's worth um, worth mentioning. You really, 
you really get a family that wraps their arms around you when you're with BNI, not just in the relationships you make with the people in your chapter and other chapters, but the organization itself. I, I have not done business with a finer organization in my almost 20 years of doing business. So I think that's worth saying. Um, we're going to move along here. Um, I have three questions for you. Okay. This segment of three questions is brought to you by our nonprofit, See Good to Be Good, which aims to act as a source of hope, motivation, and inspiration to help folks achieve their dreams. We're currently accepting donations of time and or uh, money to help uh, a young person, excuse me, we're, we're fund funding a needs-based scholarship to help a young person pay for their education in the arts. If you'd like to help us, please let us know. Question number one, why are you successful? I'm going to give the credit to my parents. Mm. Um, you know, like all parents, they weren't perfect on everything. But they, just did, they instilled two things in me that I think are extremely important. And I, I hang, hang with me to this day. The first one is work ethic. You know, my dad has told me for years and, and he, he walked that same walk in his own life. If you want something, get up every day and roll out of bed and go work for it. And then the second thing that came from both of them was be kind to other people. And I know that's a cliche. People say it all the time, but it's something that I now try to instill in my kids. You know, you're going to make mistakes your grades might not always be perfect. You're not always going to hit the winning shot. A lot of things in life aren't going to go the way you want them to go. But the one thing you have 100% control over is how you treat other people. So I try to be kind and I try to work hard. Even when it's difficult. <laughs> probably, the, probably more so when it's difficult. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, if you don't, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Please. I was probably about the age of my son. I was probably about nine, ten-ish. And... My dad, you know, had factory work, but he also had some experience as a roofer, so occasionally he would uh, do a roof to make extra money. So he was probably 30-ish. Uh, at that time, had kind of long hair. He probably was a little bit on the, the grungy side. So he he goes and he does this roof for this older couple. And I remember him telling me that this was the sweetest couple he had ever met. He was there for four or five days in a row, the lady would make sandwiches and lemonade, and the old, the old man would sit out under a tree in a lawn chair and talk to him. It, it was just, he said it was a great experience. Yeah. He gets done, and all of a sudden, they don't want to pay him. And they start claiming that he didn't do what he was supposed to do, and he did this, and he did that. They fact, they actually took him to small claims court. Wow. And they won. And his contention was, you know, they're this sweet little old couple. He's this kind of grungy dude that just shows up in a truck. You know, he what didn't really have a roofing business. He did it on the side. I'm sure there was no contract. Yeah. And ultimately, for whatever reason, they they won. And he was convinced that that was sort of the plan all along is, hey, we're going to get a free roof out of this. And I remember asking him as a 9 or 10-year-old kid, I remember asking him one day, aren't you mad about this? And he said, well, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was pretty upset, you know. And he didn't let me know this at the time, but looking back on our life, I'm sure he was devastated from a financial standpoint. I'm sure he was counting on that money for something. 
But I remember what he said. He goes, there's going to be people in life sometimes that screw you over. He goes, but I don't ever want you to hold that against everybody else. Yeah. And he said, even in a lot of cases, it doesn't even mean they're a bad person. Maybe they were in a desperate situation. Yeah. Maybe that was their worst moment. So he taught me two lessons. He said, don't hold somebody else's actions against everybody else. And don't judge people by their worst moment. Yeah. And I probably have not lived by every piece of advice he's ever given, but I've always really, really tried to remember that. Like, there are a lot of really good people out there. Yeah. And even the people that do things that are mean or nasty or unfair or whatever, I try my best to give them some grace because I wouldn't want to be judged by my worst moment either. Yeah, I like that. There's some real wisdom there. Uh, and it's impactful in your life, obviously. Speaking of success, can you talk about your weight loss journey briefly? I think it's a very inspiring story. So I have fought with it my whole life. You know, I was the kid in middle school that had to get the husky jeans and all that. And then it got progressively worse through high school and into college. And um, when COVID started, I did, my wife and I did what a lot of people did. Uh, we Netflixed and ate. We went to Sam's, Costco, Kroger. You know, we'd make our once-a-week grocery run like everybody else. Then we'd barricade ourselves in the house, and we'd eat. And we finally took the time to go back and watch Sopranos and uh, uh, Breaking Bad and House of Cards. And Yeah. So, I don't know, COVID started around March. This was around September. I looked at my wife one night, and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And actually, previous to that, a couple of years before, I had I had worked a wedding one day. It was actually a family wedding of hers. And I got done at the end of the day, and I just I couldn't hardly walk. Mm. I was the biggest that I had ever been since I knew her. And I said, I'm going to make a change. And I started training for um, the mini marathon. And I'm not a runner. Quite honestly, I don't like running. But I had watched some friends and family. And, you know, if you're in Louisville, you hear people run the mini marathon, the marathon every year right before Derby. And I just got up one day and I was like, I'm going to run in that. Probably won't do very well. But my, I had one goal. I, well, I had two goals. One was to finish. One was to run the whole time. Even if it was slow. I didn't want to walk. I wanted to run. Mm -hmm. So I trained. And the following year, ironically enough, it was the one-year anniversary of that wedding where I was miserable. It was that same exact weekend. Wow. That couple was celebrating their one-year anniversary, and I was finishing the mini-marathon. Nice. So then fast forward to COVID, I put a little bit of back on because, you know, Netflixing and, and, and eating. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not putting all this weight back on. I'm not going to let this happen. And so I kind of – and look, I, I'll be honest, it's – it's something I'm going to fight my whole life. I, I like to eat. Mm -hmm. I just like to eat. And, but I think the difference over the last few years is I realize now my kids are old enough to watch me and they're old enough to form opinions and habits. And I'm just trying to set a good example. And again, I still got a long way to go. I kind yeah. of go up and down and up and down, but, um, yeah. Give people a taste of what that looks like. When you're hitting it hard, you're getting up at what? 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning? So I will be honest and say I'm not doing that currently. Yeah. Uh, I, I stopped here a little while ago and uh, just because, 
and I'll be honest, this is nothing more than excuses, but just with so much going on, it just yeah. got physically taxing to continue to get up at that, at that hour. But when you're hitting it um, hard, what's that? But, but yeah, so I, I actually work out with a group called F3. Uh, we get up and, uh, it's, it's an outdoor workout every morning at five thirty, no matter what the weather, if it's mm. pouring down rain, doesn't matter if it's five degrees outside, doesn't matter. Yeah. And, um, you know, the biggest thing, two things for me have always been giving up like sodas and fast food. Yeah. Uh, I love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I haven't like completely 100% given them up, but definitely have cut way back. And it's just something that I keep keep top of mind. So working out, eating healthier, and just being a little bit more cognizant of who's watching. And, yeah. and you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you have to do it for yourself. You either have to want, you have to want it. Yeah. But, it, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it. It, it helps knowing that there's, uh, you know, a couple of pair of eyes that are kind of keeping an eye on what dad's doing. Yeah. And the F3, you're, you're doing it five, three, is that seven days a week, five thirty in the morning? So they have workouts six days a week and they have it multiple places across town. And okay. then usually on, on Sunday they do something called a ruck, which is, it's, it's basically a hike with a weighted backpack. Okay. So there, there is something that happens every single day. And yeah. uh, you can find that F3 Louisville.com. There's several locations around town and depending on what's most convenient for you. And there's some guys that do it one or two days a week. There's some guys that do it five. There's some guys that are out there every single day. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story. I have a feeling some, somebody's going to listen to this podcast that might, might be struggling with their own body image issues or weight issues or health issues. And this might give them the inspiration they need to make, make a change. Absolutely. I hope. Yeah. Thank you for that. Question number two, why are you happy? So as I told you, I listened to all of your podcasts. You're the one. Thank and, you. And uh, except one, I got one to go. And uh, you know, I knew these three questions were coming, so I was kind of thinking last night a little bit about yeah, um, what I was going to say. And 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 what I came up with on this one is, I think I'm finally surrounded by the right people. Mm. Uh, I have a beautiful, kind, compassionate wonderful wife. Uh, I've got two kids who, although they frustrate me at times are very, they're very kind kids, but I also have people around me now professionally. And I definitely include you in this mix. I have people around me professionally who I genuinely enjoy being around and genuinely enjoy helping. We've talked a little bit about different things. What I haven't mentioned uh, is that I'm also the president of the PTA at my kid's school, which uh, is, you know, let's face it. It's, that's a little odd, a little different. Most of the time that's, there's a mom somewhere that usually holds those roles, but they came and asked me if I would do it. I said I would. So I'm in my second year of doing that. So I just give the school a shout out. Uh, it's totally elementary in J town. I have a fifth grader and a third grader and uh, it's a great school. We've been extremely pleased and they have just such a wonderful staff, um, and parents and, it's just a great school. So I'm just surrounded by good people. Yeah. Question number three, what obligation do you feel to help other people? It, I think it's a, a big obligation for me for two reasons. Uh, the first one is, and I'll kind of go back to what we discussed during the weight loss journey is I've got, I've got a couple extra small set of eyes that watch me every day. Yeah. And I want them to know how blessed and lucky they are and to 
want to give back to others. But then the other one, you know, I thought about this question a lot, and, and somebody asked me recently, uh, you know, what I did, and I kind of had to say, well, I'm a little bit unique. I don't have like this one thing or career that I spend 50, 60 hours a week on. Instead, I kind of have four different things that I spend 10 to 15 hours a week, and that's not including raising my kids. Yeah. And I said, I love photography. I do. It's a passion. I love it. I love working with people. I said, but if I'm being honest, I said, when I'm networking and when I'm doing some sort of service, those are the mornings when I get up just with a little bit of extra pep in my step. And so for me, quite honestly, it's just about enjoying it. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into Make-A-Wish. Tell us about your role there and... I know you have an upcoming event that yeah. you're, uh, you're hosting and tell us more yeah. about it. Thank you, David. Uh, so in late 2021, uh, Meg Vote, who at the time was in our chapter and held the pro- nonprofit seat, she uh, is a board, a fellow board member with Make-A-Wish, called me up and she said, Joe, we got a young man or a young kid who is going to have his whisk granted today. He, he wants to be a cop for a day and the J-Town police are going to pick him up at his house and swear him in. He's going to be honorary chief. You know, would you come over and photograph it? I said, of course. I'll be there. Well, I show up, and I didn't know it at the time, but I show up, and lo and behold, he's he's a another Tully student. He went to school with my kids. And uh, so I found out that he has some neurological disorders, and, and he has to have a special seat in, in a special van. Well, this van had gotten stolen the year before. And the J-Town cops found the van, but as you can imagine, all the expensive equipment that was inside that he needed was gone. So they go and they tell a family, you know, found the van. Unfortunately, the stuff's missing. Thankfully, a lot of J-Town, very, very, very generous J-Town business owners pitched in together and they replaced it all. Well, he wanted to be a police officer. And when they asked him why, he said, well, because they're the ones that found my van. Of course, I mean, who knows? Maybe he didn't know or couldn't compute that, yeah, they found the van, but it, but it was empty. But all he remembered was that it was a J-Town police officer that walked up on the porch to tell his mom that they had found the van. And I remember one time I was, again, a small child, and, and we lived the first several years of my life kind of a paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck sort of life, and then it got better. We, we were never wealthy, but we, you know, we were okay, you know, I guess mid- middle class. But I remember one time watching my dad write a check to St. Jude. And I, I asked him, I was like, Dad, why, you know, why St. Jude? Just out of curiosity. And I remember him sitting there and he thought about it for a minute and he said, Because you and your sister are healthy. Mm-hmm. And he said, Despite all the problems that I may ever encounter in my life, he said, I should be able to go to bed every night and and at least thank God that my kids are healthy. And because of that, I'm going to support this organization who helps kids who aren't healthy. And prior to photographing that wish, you know, I had done charitable things here and there, one-offs here and there, This, but I was, I was sort of looking for something to call my own, something to, that was my passion, my thing. And when they invited me to do that photography for that session, and I thought back to those words of my dad about, I put my head on the pillow every night and know that I've got healthy kids. And it was like a bell went off, like, this is my thing, because I'm blessed with healthy kids. 
and if I can do this to help people out. So they ended up asking me to join the board. So I'm now on the advisory board for the Kentucky chapter of Make-A-Wish. We raise money to grant wishes like trips to Disney, um, uh, pools, backyard renovations, room renovations. Last year there was a unique one where there was a young lady who was a gamer, but she needed like special seating and, and a special table and a special uh, computer. And actually, much to your credit, you participated in that one and, and provided the gaming system. And one of our former members, Paul Hughes, um, of Paul Hughes Kitchen Cabinet Design, uh, did the did the desk. Beautiful work. So a lot of, lot of great wishes for a lot of kids who got illnesses that are going to affect them for the rest of their life. A lot of people don't know it, but actually about 75%, 75 to 80% of the Make-A-Wish kids do not have a terminal illness. Now, they have something that they'll live with forever. Yeah. But the vast majority of them actually are going to live. They just are going to live with a condition that is going to change their their quote-unquote normal. Yeah. And so I'm personally throwing an event on Friday, March the 3rd. It's at the Jeffersonian, which is the old J-Town Community Center. It's a trivia night. Wanted to do something that was a little bit less formal, a little bit more casual, just kind of get out, have a good time. Um, can actually can bring your own drinks, and we'll have some pizza there, and it's just going to be a very casual, fun, laid-back time. I've got about six tables left. Uh, it's $40 a seat, or you can get a table. You get your own full team of eight for $300, and you can get more information about that if you email me at joe, joe at joehulsey.com. That's J-O-E at J-O-E-H-U-L-S-E-Y.com. And again, that's Friday, March 3rd, and all the proceeds to that will go to Make-A-Wish. And I know we've done this a lot today, but I want to do it one more time. One last plug, you know, to B&I and talking about the benefit of it. I would say that more than half of our chapter is somehow involved nice. in either A, they're coming to the event, B, they couldn't come to the event, but they made a donation, C, they've donated something for an auction item, mm -hmm. and in some cases, it's all of the above. I've got some people who have donated auction item, and they're coming, um, and thank you to you uh, for coming as well. So Sure, happy to do it. Anyway, it's, a, it's something I'm passionate about, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a privilege and an obligation if you've, you've done well in life to take a, take a second and step back and say a lot of folks haven't, you know. And if you don't have a lot of money right now, you can donate your time, right? Absolutely. You don't have to make a large dona donation to make a difference. Sometimes just your time time can be invaluable, right, if you contribute to something like right. Make-A-Wish. We had a great experience with it, reliable tech help, and uh, my wife's cousin's son, uh, David... Um, Kaplan did a great job. He built the computer and uh, we donated the labor to build the computer and go and set it up and everything. It was such a rewarding and a meaningful experience. It gave young David, uh, I think was about 15 at the time, some real perspective because he's had yeah. a nice, comfortable life and is a great student. And to, to go to that part of Indiana, I didn't even know existed and go make some, you know, some, some little, little, little girl's day. It yeah. was quite meaningful. I would encourage anybody listening to get involved um, we're going to post uh, all the details and Joe's contact information on the notes for this show. Uh, you guys can find that and uh, choose how you want to get involved. Like you said, you can help by donating an item or some time, some money, or you can also, or all of the above and come play trivia and have fun too. Absolutely. Thank so, you, Dave. Uh, thank you for doing that. The great Vince Lombardi once said, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. 
I like that. Well, one thing I want to do before we get finished here, because as I said, after listening to all of them, I, I wasn't about to come today without bringing a quote. Please. So one of my favorites is Oscar Wilde. And he said, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Nice. <laughs> and I like that. I think a lot of times in life, and especially somebody like me who's in sort of an artistic field, we always feel like, oh, we've got to mimic everybody else. we got mm-hmm. to do it the way everybody else is doing it. And sometimes I think it's important to step back and be like, you know what? There's already somebody out there doing it that way. Yeah. Go be yourself. I like that. That resonates with me. Um, I, I'm a student of guitar, and I play quite frequently. <laughs> play quite frequently, and I'm trying to get better. And one day I caught myself trying to play a song that I really like exactly the way the artist originally played it. Uh, I, thought to my, I thought to myself, that's already been done. Right. Why not put your own little spin on it, right? right. Yeah, we can go back and play that song if we want to hear it the, exactly. book, the way it was done. So um, those words resonate with me, and thank you for that. Um, if you would like to be a guest on our show or you would like help creating and or distributing your own podcast content, please contact us for more information. I'd like to take a moment to thank myself because without me, none of this would be possible. I script and cast the show, host and produce the show, and I edit and distribute the show online to our eight platforms. I'd like to thank myself. <laughs> You've done a, all, all of you have done a wonderful job. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I'd like to thank our guest, Joe Hosey, for joining us today. Please uh, um, tell people how they can interact with you and find you. Um, first for Joe Hosey Photography. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You can, uh, best way is to email me. It's joe at joeholsey.com. It's J-O-E at J-O-E-H-U-L-S-E-Y.com. Phone number is 502-417-4694. And obviously joeholsey.com as well. Joeholsey.com is the website. And again, if you do want to get involved somehow with the Make-A-Wish event, you can use that same email address or phone number, joe at joeholsey.com, 417-4694. And how do they uh, learn more about BNI if they're curious? Well, you can go to uh, bnikentucky.com and look at a list of chapters, but uh, the easiest thing to do would just be to simply send me an email, and you can send that to joe at bnikentucky.com. Again, it's J-O-E at bnikentucky.com. Is that K-Y or spelled out? No, it's spelled out. Okay. So B-N-I-K-E-N-T-U-C-K-Y.com. Yes, exactly. Thank you. And, uh, you know, let me know what your, you know, what your industry, your profession is. You might even let me know, like, do you prefer a morning networking or lunch? And you might also let me know if there's a particular day of the week that's not good for you or that's best for you. And I'll be more than happy to make some suggestions and get you connected. And there's in-person and virtual options too, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We have a few chapters that are doing what's called a hybrid, which means they meet once a month in person. And then the other three weeks they do Zoom. The the vast majority are in person, but but there are a few of those hybrid options. And, you know, we've got a chapter in E-Town, Mount Washington, Shepherdsville, Shelbyville. Uh, We've actually got one now, thankfully, across the bridge in southern Indiana. So um, we can we can hook you up no matter where you are. Yeah. Come talk to Joe about that. So thanks for being here today, Joe. I'd like to thank our listeners and our sponsors for making the podcast possible and hopefully successful. And we'll see you real soon again on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast.